Who is going to follow David Stearns from the Milwaukee Brewers to the New York Mets? We'll discuss that on today's show. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, I'll be breaking down how David Stern's past relationships could come back to help the Mets this offseason. The first segment, we'll do a little Craig Council update when it comes to the manager position for the Mets. I'll also talk about some current Mets who had some ties to Stearns back at the Brewers. Then in the second segment, we'll get into the biggest name players the Mets could go after this offseason who have an attachment to Stearns. And in the final segment, we'll just go through the rest of the list of free agents who previously played with the Brewers. Before we get to any of that, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X at Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed by visiting FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Now on today's show, I wanted to examine how David Stern's past relationships with the Brewers could follow him to the New York Mets. Which players could the Mets target? And there's, of course, the manager discussion. Now, this goes even further if you want to get into the front office. Could scouts or analysts come over? Absolutely. We'll probably never hear their names um, unless it's an assistant GM or something of that type. But I wanted to focus in on the names we will know, which is a construction of the roster, and then who's going to manage this team because everyone is waiting for the shoe to drop on Craig Council. The Mets have to wait to be able to negotiate with him. His contract doesn't expire till the end of this month, and that leads to plenty of speculation. John Heyman has done some reporting on this for the New York Post, and in the article that he wrote, he discussed what some people believe in the industry. And it says someone connected to the Brewers believes council will stay if he's paid what he believes is fair. So it could go either way. Now that's someone connected to the Brewers. On the other note here, one NL executive opined, according to Heyman, if he was going to stay, they'd already have signed him, but others aren't so sure. In the article, he discusses how council is believed to be the only of the 30 managers who lives year-round in the city that he manages, um, talking about how he's got his kids there, he's got daughters in high school, he's got sons playing college football out in the Midwest area, and, and that could you know keep him in Milwaukee. But the Mets are a draw with Stearns and the fact that they might be able to double his salary, which Heyman noted in the article was $3.5 million this past season. Is it all about the money? Is it about the chance to win? You know, Heyman kind of goes into whether the Brewers are on a decline as a franchise and if that's something he'd be concerned with. We'll also know how much of a working relationship did he have with Stearns and does he believe in Matt Arnold to run that team and keep it on the, an upward trajectory and keep them winning and sort of follow the blueprint that was left for him from Stearns? Or if he really believes in Stearns as an executive and he wants to go and take the opportunity to win in a big market. We still don't know what the draw is there. But 
that's going to be the most interesting thing to monitor as we get into November because free agency is going to start really you know, getting into full swing in, in the winter meetings. And you know, then we'll, you know, December is going to roll around. That's where we're going to start to see players coming off the board and trades happening. That's where a bulk of the offseason is going to take place. The first thing is going to be hiring a manager. And, you know, we can get into other candidates, and I'm sure I'll do that in the show maybe next week. Uh, you know, different names that could fill the position, but it feels like everything is waiting on council. And that would be the clear top candidate that the Mets could hire. And if they can get him away from the Brewers, that's the direction they'll go. So that's the biggest possible person that can follow him. I mean, that's more significant, I think, than most players. We'll talk about some big names in the next segment um, that could follow him over. That would maybe mean a little bit more to the Mets winning next season and beyond. But of everyone we're going to talk about, I mean, having that alignment, if the Mets were to sign Craig Council to a five-year deal to put him right on par with Stearns, and that is now your continuity that Steve Cohen's been searching for. It's President of Baseball Ops, manager working hands-in-hand for the next five years, trying to make the Mets a sustainable winner. And the hope would be that those guys would love it, uh, the Mets would win, and they'd be rewarded with a second five-year contract and a decade of Mets baseball is spearheaded by these guys that found a way to be a very successful team for almost a decade, for a, a good amount of time, where they make consistent playoff berths where always a winning team in Milwaukee, with the small market, small budget, less resources. That's the hope, okay? But we're still waiting, and it's going to take some time for the council situation to resolve itself. So now let's move to other relationships, and I want to stick close to home. Guys that played for the Brewers under Stearns that are still on the Mets roster. So we begin with Omar Nervais. He was the Brewers catcher from 2020 to 2022 before the Mets signed him. Saw great improvement in his pitch framing under the Stearns led Brewers. That's something the Brewers did really well. One thing I was actually looking back, I was trying to find sort of the characteristics of a David Stearns uh, led team, just going through team stats under his tenure with the Brewers. And one thing is they were always great defensively. So that's just something to keep in the back of your mind. Nervaez is going to stay not because of Stearns, but because he has a $7 million player option. He's not going to make that much money on the open market. So he's going to be Francisco Alvarez's backup again, and hopefully he has a healthy season where it performs a little bit better than it did this year. A couple other guys, Daniel Vogelback. He was claimed off waivers by the Brewers in 2020, played in Milwaukee in 2021, had a 730 OPS and nine home runs in 93 games. Feels a lot like what he did with the Mets this year. And he was non-tendered after the season. So David Stearns non-tendered him once. I'm hoping as you can go back to the episode where I discussed the non-tenders the Mets might have this year, that he's non-tendered again. Similar conversation, Trevor Gott. He signed a minor league deal ahead of the 2022 season, pitched to a 4.14 ERA in Milwaukee, and then was non-tendered after the year. But David Stearns had stepped down at that point, so that wasn't a Stearns decision. Stearns did acquire him, though. So it'll be interesting if they keep Trevor Gott if David Stearns is a Gott guy. Another reliever to discuss, Phil Bickford. He was traded for uh, by Stearns in 2016, debuted at the Brewers in 2020, only threw two innings with the Brewers before he was DFA'd, eventually lashed on with the Dodgers, and then ended up with the Mets this past year. I would think you keep Bickford based on you know a nice little run uh, you know down the stretch for the Mets this season. 
Well, who knows? I, I think it's just interesting when you have these guys who, who Stearns is familiar with. What's his opinion on them? And, and I think we'll get a very clear indication what his opinion is on Daniel Vogelback, Trevor Gott, and Phil Bickford because all of them are clear candidates to be non-tendered or potentially to be brought back. I think they're all on that bubble where I, I wouldn't bet my life either way. It, it's a coin flip to me um, on all of them because as much as I can make the argument about Vogelback and why he should be cut, I also can understand the rationale of you really don't have a clear DH and for what he's going to cost, it's worth it just to keep him. Same thing can be said about Gott and Bickford in their specific roles. So that'll be interesting to, to follow over really the next month here as those decisions will be made after the World Series. But what we're really excited to get into now is the big names, Corbin Burns, Josh Hader, and more. I'll discuss some of the players the Mets could go after this offseason that once played for Stearns. Before we get to that, though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. October baseball is back, and you can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join FanDuel today, and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to create your new account. Then you can get in on the action from the first pitch until the final out. Bet on everything, from strikeouts to home runs to who will win the game. The Phillies seem to be winning every game in the playoffs. Maybe you can just... Hedge your happiness a little bit, bet on them. So, hey, if they lose, you're excited because you're a Mets fan and the Phillies lose a game. But if they win, at least you get some financial benefit from it. And, you know, if you don't want to wait the whole game to get a W, you can predict what will happen in the next at-bat with quick bets. Head on over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn right now to get started. Step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Join the Locked On Mets insiders where you get breaking news, the inside scoop, and exclusive content delivered directly to your phone, plus one-on-one conversations with me, Via text today, I sent out to my subtexters, the Locked On Mets insiders, the trade package that I proposed to get a Corbin Burns. So, if you want to get that type of information, join the Locked On Mets insiders now and be in the know all the time. Just go to subtext.com/slash locked on Mets or find the link in the episode description. Now, Corbin Burns, as I mentioned on yesterday's show, Thursdays podcast is going to be solely devoted to whether the New York Mets should trade for Corbin Burns. So I don't want to spoil that now by getting into it too much. I will break down what a package could look like, what a subsequent contract might need to be, whether it's worth it or if the Mets should just wait till he hits free agency. There is a lot to unpack there. So we're going to table that discussion and instead look at his former teammate who is one of the best relief pitchers in baseball. Josh Hader. Could the New York Mets pair Edwin Diaz with Josh Hader? It would be the best one-two punch in all of baseball. And I do think based on the market this year, if the Mets need to go a certain route, maybe it is just investing a ton of money into their bullpen. Now that's not typically the way that you build a winner. For some reason, 
there was a, a young Mets fan that just screamed in the back of my mind that remembered the offseason where the Mets put together a bullpen of Francisco Rodriguez, J.J. Putts, whose last name was very apt for the way he performed with the New York Mets. And I can't remember who the third guy was. There was a third guy in there. You know what? The J.J. Putts. Got to find it. I got to find who this third guy was. I just remember how excited I was when J.J. Putts came to the Mets. It was 2009. Oh, geez. So that put me at 14 years old. Uh, so you had Francisco Rodriguez, Johan Santana. What a team that was supposed to be. J.J. Putz. Ugh. Bobby Parnell was in place, but that's not the guy. They had Pedro Feliciano because, of course, they did. Uh, Nelson Figueroa wasn't him. The guy probably barely pitched. I, I'm, yeah, you know, I, I'm struggling here to remember who the third guy was. Beats me. Billy Wagner was on that team when? <laughs> Man, maybe it was just putts. I guess it was just putts, Parnell, and, and K, K Rod and putts. Did not pitch well that season, 5-3-0 ERA. Uh, but, yeah, that was that was the team. <laughs> so uh, your Mets could be worse. Getting back on focus here. Looking at Josh Hader coming over to the Mets, it'd be interesting because it would be a full circle in, in some ways. He actually ended up on the Brewers thanks to the Mets because the Mets initially traded for Carlos Gomez. That trade falls through. That would have sent Zach Wheeler to the Brewers, a whole nother alternate history that we could go down. But in the eventual trade that sent Carlos Gomez to the Astros along with Mike Fires, they got Josh Hader back along with Brett Phillips, Domingo Santana, and Adrian Hauser. Now, he made his debut in 2017. Hader did, and he pitched to a 2.48 ERA across six seasons with the Brewers. As dynamic of a reliever as you're going to see, the Mets could pair righty-lefty and just have an awesome bullpen. It's a really nice thought. So Josh Hader probably deserves his own show at some point, And I'll give that to you at some point down the line, this off season cost a lot. You'd be paying two relievers, hundred million dollars plus each. So I don't know if they're going to go there, but Hey, if there's a, an impact arm you can get, that might be it in this market. And of course the question is, what's that relationship like? Because David Stearns did trade Josh Hader away in 2022 last year. So we'll see. Here's the one that I, if I had to put my name on one thing that's going to happen this off season, even more so than the Craig council, which feels like everything's pointing in that direction. I just stumbled upon this and it makes too much sense to me. The Mets are going to sign Brent Suter. They're going to get him. Now, if you're not aware of who he is, he's been one of the most effective relief pitchers in all of baseball career, 3.49 ERA. He has pitched as many innings as most relievers. I think the guys ahead of him were Hector Norris, Rizel Iglesias, Kenley Jansen. Um, and there was maybe one more name that had thrown more innings than this guy has when it comes to primary relief pitchers dating back to 2016. And he's just a, a you know guy that limits hard contact and just finds a way to be effective. This year, he was in the 100th percentile in average exit velocity. That means... Guys hit the ball softer off him than anyone else in baseball. 99th percentile in hard hit percentage, 97th percentile in barrel percentage. He just mixes his pitches, has good movement, and you know avoids damage. Doesn't have a pitch over 90 miles per hour. He has a fastball, a sinker, a changeup, throws in the occasional slider. 
and no one squares him up. Gave up three home runs all year with the Colorado Rockies. So they get three home runs all year pitching for the Colorado Rockies. Now he ended up there because he was uh, you know, put on waivers by the Brewers and picked up this past off season. That happened after David Stearns left. And here's the connection point that has me thinking that Suter is hundred percent going to be a Met this off season for one, the price tag, the fit, all that makes sense. Just based on age of pitcher, a guy that would probably want to win all that good stuff. Here's the big one though. For me, when it comes to Brent Suter, there's a time in Milwaukee, and there's the fact that both him and Stearns are Harvard graduates. Just something tells me those guys as personalities would mesh. And I don't know. You give him a, a two-year deal with a nice, nice modest salary and an opportunity to win. And I feel like Brent Suter is a New York Met. So uh, you heard it here first. It might be the lamest prediction imaginable, but hey, it's a prediction nonetheless. Book it now. Brent Suter will be in the Mets bullpen, maybe joined by Josh Hader. There are some other free agents that will be available that played for the Brewers under Stearns. We'll discuss them next. First, today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs are the most comfortable shorts that make you look good, especially their stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you that truly sculpted look. But they fit way better than regular shorts that have that stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs has fixed this issue with their cloud knit fabric that they invented. And it feels like it sounds cloud knit. So good. looks great. Stretches, though, gives you a way slimmer fit, but you don't have to sacrifice movement, which is important to me because I like to play golf. And these are now my number one go-to golf shorts. You're not going to find me on the links with anything but Bird Dogs, especially because they have their anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. I have gone, played 18 holes, sunny South Florida, wearing bird dogs, and worn those same shorts out to dinner that night without feeling disgusting. That is how amazing these shorts are. If you want to try them, go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnMLB or enter promo code LockedOnMLB for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnMLB or promo code LockedOnMLB for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. Now, one thing I realized I did not mention in the last segment is that Brent Suter is a left-handed pitcher. Interesting part about that is you have this expensive option on Brooks Raley that the Mets might have to pick up. Just a thought, if you see them decline that option with Josh Hader, that's a lefty, and Brent Suter, that's a lefty, that might tell you something about where the Mets are going free agency. Now, if they pick up the option on Brooks Raley, and again, I said expensive, $6.5 million isn't crazy, but for a reliever, I mean, you could probably get two relievers that you like for that money in free agency. You know, this past year, Suter signed for, I believe it was $3 million. Um, well, that was through arbitration, but he was claimed by the Rockies and then got a $3 million contract, so I should mention. But there are guys that signed for that number. So it'll just be interesting to see how they manage it, how many lefties does uh, Stearns want in his bullpen? I think Josh Hader kind of supersedes being a lefty because he's just a dynamic arm that's a closer. Um, and you know, pairing him with Diaz is so expensive. I don't know if that's going to happen. So I just wanted to throw that part out there is that both of those guys are left-handed. 
Speaking of lefties, another free agent that the Mets could sign that was a brewer and actually was a brewer this past season when Stearns had stepped down is Wade Miley. But this was his second tour of duty with the Brewers. He signed a minor league deal with Milwaukee back in 2018 after a terrible run with the Baltimore Orioles where his stock was at an all-time low. He pitched in the minor leagues on that deal for a good point, point of time there. Eventually comes up, pitched to a 2.57 ERA in 16 starts with the Brewers, and he was infamously used in Game 5 of the NLCS against the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I say infamously used because Miley was the left-handed starter that the Stearns-led Brewers threw out there for Game 5 to get the Dodgers' right-handed lineup, and then they pulled them and saved them for Game 6. Now, that crazy strategical move, it didn't work. They lost Game 5. They actually won Game 6, and then they ended up losing Game 7. That was the farthest they got under Stearns, a game away from the World Series. But, again, he did pitch under the Stearns-led Brewers. He came back to the Brewers. And he has a $10 million option to return to the Brewers next year with a million-dollar buyout. I would think Milwaukee won him back. He was really good this past season. He pitched to a 3.14 ERA and 23 starts, 120 and a third innings pitch. But I just don't know the money they're going to spend. So are they going to want to pick that up? Or is he going to want to go back? Or does he think he can get a two-year deal? And maybe it's his last chance to get a multi-year deal at his age at this stage of his career. I'm not sure, but what I will say is he has been very consistent over the last couple of seasons when he's been on the mound to be able to pitch to an ERA that's in the low threes. Not something you'd expect from the guy, but he's been really good. Actually, since he signed that minor league deal with the Brewers in 2018, he's pitched to a 3-4-3 ERA and nearly 600 innings pitch. So that's been a very effective and consistent starting pitcher, almost similar to a Jose Quintana in that regard. There is obviously some overlapping skill sets, but the Mets could do a lot worse in this free agent class than Wade Miley if he is made available. Now, here's a guy that could do a lot worse with. Zach Davies could be a free or will be a free agent this offseason. He spent five seasons uh, with the Brewers. Stearns was there for four of them, 2015 through 2019. Pitched to a 3-9-1 ERA across that span. Was good as a Brewer. Was traded. Uh, and you know he had some success in San Diego, has struggled since then. This past year, he was awful with the Diamondbacks. 18 starts, ERA of seven. They cut him right before the playoffs. He's a guy that I could see them at signing on a minor league deal, though. If there is a relationship with David Stearns, you could see Zach Davies pitching in Syracuse this next year, and I would not be surprised. Uh, Colton Wong, another guy that might fit that billing. I don't know. Did he salvage enough value at the end of the year? where he posted an 853 OPS in 20 games with the Dodgers down the stretch, or are people going to look at what he did with the Mariners where he was just awful. And that's what necessitated him to, to basically get cut there. You know, he spent two years with the Brewers in 2021 and 2022 posted a 776 OPS across 250 games played. I don't necessarily see the fit with Wong because I don't think the Mets need infielders. I mean, if you're going to, get Colton Wong, you might as well just tender a contract to Louis Guillaume and keep it on moving. But hey, I, I was just trying to spotlight anybody that had a connection to Stearns and Wong was one of those guys. Which leads me to the last one. Eduardo Escobar. Could Eduardo Escobar make a return to the New York Mets? I think that would be just as much about playing for the Mets again as it would be to play under Stearns. He didn't really have a lot of time with Stearns. He was acquired by the Brewers at the 2021 deadline. 
That was, of course, before the Mets signed him to that two-year uh, contract with the third-year option, which now uh, the Angels have a decision on. Are they going to pick up a $9 million club option or pay him 500 k to get out of that contract? I think it's pretty clear he's going to get that check for $500,000. He's going to hit the market. But it was a brutal year for Escobar, not only with the Mets, but at, when he got traded after that with the Angels hit – they're headed a 563 OPS, two home runs in 59 games. So all of a sudden, a guy that hit 20 home runs in his first year with the Mets had six in 99 games on the year. I don't know if I see it, especially on a major league deal. I wonder if he's going to find a major league deal, quite honestly, with the way he played. He might have to take a minor league deal, and that is where I could see him coming back to the Mets. Uh, you know, chance minor league deal, invite to spring training. Once again, go up against Brett Beatty for a job in camp, but I could I could envision that layout if he loved his time with the Mets and every indication that we saw showed that he did, but he's also such a fun-loving guy that I think he probably loves every stop in Major League Baseball because he's just a good dude. I'd like to see him back on a minor league deal because there's no harm in it, um, and you have an emotional attachment to him as a player compared to Colton Wong, for example. If you were to pick the two, even though Colton Wong – Probably has a little bit more left in the tank than Escobar. I don't know. I, I could see Escobar running into some home runs. So th- those are the free agents that have some connection to David Stearns. Of that list that I went through, I think the obviously Josh Hader is the most exciting. There's no doubt about that. The one that I could most see on the Mets is Suter because of, again, the Harvard connection, the fact that he's been an awesome reliever for a really long time. And I think of the GMs out there, no one's going to know that better than David Stearns. Um, and I think Wade Miley is interesting. I, I'm, I think the Mets are pretty left-handed in their rotation as well right now. When you consider that of the options they have right now that are decent ones, three of them are lefties. It's Quintana who's going to be in the rotation. It's David Peterson and Joey Lucchese. So, Adding Miley to the mix as well, I don't know if that's the the best route to go, but hey, if you're just looking for someone to plug into that fourth or fifth spot in your your rotation, you can do a lot worse. Um, The name that you want more than any that we discussed today, of course, though, is Craig Council. So we'll see uh, how that situation can unfold uh, over the coming month here. We'll see what happens when free agency rolls around. If any of my predictions today come true, Suter is the one I'm most interested in. Can I actually... I've pulled that rabbit out of, out of the hat here when I was doing research at one o'clock in the morning on October 18th. I was like, Hey, that's fun. Um, Hey, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens on that note. And uh, tomorrow's show again, for all you everydayers, we're going to be doing the Corbin Burns show. Should the New York Mets make the big trade, get Corbin Burns. If you have any questions about that before I record, you can join the locked on Mets insiders by joining the, the subtext link, which is in the description, or by going to subtext.com slash locked on. That's where you can get the one-on-one conversation with me via text. I love your questions on Burns before I hit record tomorrow. So I appreciate all of you who subscribe. Make sure you follow me on X at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked on Mets. And then you can find all the writing that I do about baseball at justbaseball.com. Oh, yeah. By the way, very big long shot at this point. Diamondbacks are down. Uh, two games to nothing, but hey, they're coming back home for a Thursday game three. We'll say it until we can't anymore. Go D backs.